it kept like the 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 Skype recorder kept just being like recording a call, but nothing. I wasn't calling, so I'm like, what the fuck is it doing? And then it finally calmed its ass down. So, I mean, I know you're not a movie guy, but they <laughs> they, they kind of cover this in Minority Report. <laughs> they have. <laughs> You know, future crime, and I'm sure that phone calls are, are a subsection of that. I'm sure. Or Skype calls or whatever uh, communications corporation is controlling the uh, the minority verse. Skypenet? Skypenet, yeah. No, the, the lady and I did finish season two of American Vandal last night, so that's where we're at. Is that a... Is that is, that's the mockumentary, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was a movie. I didn't think they did a, a series out of it. No, it's it's two it's two seasons, and then it got canceled. But really, I I asked we we saw that it was canceled. I'm like, there's really nothing else for it to do. They did two seasons of like a spoof, like making a murderer kind of style documentary. There's nowhere else for it to go. You can't just keep doing that over and over again, or it's yeah. going to be diminishing returns. I think they hit their peak. It's a really stupid concept executed brilliantly, so it's infuriating, and I think it's a good way to close the chapter. That's that's what I heard. I'm surprised that they would go for a second season and not just be like, we'll use the same crew and the same actors, but like parody a different documentary style or something like that. Well, they, they have the same, like the guys making the documentary are the same, but it's a different setting. Oh, okay. And so... And it touches on some, like, societal stuff. So I think, like, it's got a topicalness to it that I think is actually pretty solid. Especially, I think the second season's better, if not infinitely grosser. But it's still... Isn't it, what's it about? Isn't it about someone, like, shitting in a parking lot? No, or, or There's something scatological involved? It's very scatological, and it's okay. very it's very graphic. <laughs> you see a lot of people pooping. True crime. <laughs> The true part is real. Right. So it's like, but I, again, like the first season, we watched the first season, which is about a guy who draws a bunch of dicks on cars, and you're like, this oh, is, yes, that's and you, it. like okay. it's stupid, but then you can't deny that it's done well. And um, I think, number one, with the overabundance of like gritty crime documentary kind of stuff, uh, I, obviously it's poignant in that way, but then this season they take it a step further and they explore some like, kind of almost like they look at like Me Too era kind of stuff in a weird lens and sort of that hush hush culture of Hollywood and it's it's bizarre. It's it's still bizarre because it's about a bunch of people pooping themselves. Yeah, and a, and a bandit called the Turd Burglar. I mean, you know, this is this is where we're at. But it gives my endorsement. Oh, there you go. Seal of approval. <laughs> right. Um, these are almost instrumental albums that you picked. Was that, was, that, in- was that the intention, or is this just like, here's some weird shit from 2018? I don't know. They're like ja- like jazz tangential, <laughs> is how I sort of look at it. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Like Amagala Temple being the most tangential. I mean, tangential in jazz or just tangential? Because I think both are accurate. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into the opposite of the Minority Report machine, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back in time to sign off on on the tangential in general. 
because that's better than, than tangential to the other two. Right. So let's let's talk about it. I'm 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 Gala Temple. What are they like? Swedish or something? Uh, they they there's a king. There's probably socialism involved. Some some northern <laughs> European entity. Their their no their names are Gard Nilsson, Amund Marud, and Lars Hern Hernveth. So yeah, they they worship a king. They. <laughs> Clearly from the Scandinavias. Uh, they got some photos of snow. Um, yeah, so they're 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 from the northern Europe. Uh, they made a record called Invisible Airships. And um, Chris, this this record was boring. Yeah, it was it's, really boring. It's very boilerplate Prague in in all the worst possible ways. This uh, this is kind of like Return of. Um... Francisco Mondragon Rio, but like in his like prog form, <laughs> just like with the the wallpaper aspect of this album. I, that get, is, I would give this, hard to ignore. I would give this a little more credit. They had a few I, well, yeah, exciting no, moments. Think, that's true. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, definitely some, better. There's definitely some groovy moments, but pretty much every song is the same. Yeah. Uh, and at five. Five songs, forty-six minutes runtime. Every song is far too long, but it's pretty much just kind of a cool little groove. And then the guitar does some solos and solos some more, and then solos for another five minutes, and then the song ends. Um, there's, I was, I there's was some drum really, fills. I was really excited for this one because this is the Jaga Jazzes guys, and those guys are great. Oh, is that what this uh, is? Yeah. Oh. This, this is. Uh, I believe it's the guitarist. Maybe maybe multiple people. I know the guitarist for sure. Um, but yeah, so I had, I had high expectations for this album and, um, and yeah, it did not deliver. It's just a, it's a snoozer all the way through. Um, wasn't Neil talking about this was supposed to be like the, the rock version of Jaga, Yaga, 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 or whatever. I don't, I don't think he said anything that explicit. Um, I could be wrong, but, um, he did bring him up. So I guess we're, I guess we're putting the square, the blame <laughs> squarely on him. Since this has been brought up, Neil, if you're listening, it's your fault. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's you know, at the same time, it's not it's not like offensive. Um, you know the 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 places that they do go, even though it takes a long time to get there. Um, Boy, howdy! Oh yeah. Um, but the 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 palettes that they use, the sounds that they use, it's it's a nice listen. Um, it's just like I I would would stay away from it if you're looking for an active listen thing, because um, I don't know. <laughs> it's really disappointing because every song more or less has the same structure of sort of this drum and bass groove with the guitar kind of soloing on it, and it never gives an, an opportunity really for the drums to do anything exciting or the bass to do anything exciting. Yep. It's very guitar driven, and the the solos while definitely talented are never particularly exciting yeah, they're I more, not really that memorable i get, definitely got more hooked into the the grooves that were going on um especially in the opener boss first there's some pretty tight stuff going on that i i did genuinely enjoy but like other than that everything was just it's kind of fine i i wrote down in my notes that um this sounds like maybe like a, an, a band that would open for like a math rock band in 2005 uh you think maybe I, or like i don't know they would open for terra Mellos or maybe terra Mellos. i just think that they're too 
There's not enough of a pulse for like a math rock crowd. Um, well, I don't know. I could I could see, th- you know, this this trio on stage and the guitarists and bassists not looking at the crowd, but they're just kind of bobbing their head, looking at each other, like, yeah, we okay. got it. We're gro- we're grooving. We're grooving. And they're they're grooving. Uh, and it's it's talented. And so there's gonna be people that are like, it's very talented. It's very smart music. And um, but like, who gives a fuck if the music's not interesting? Um, yeah. I feel that this album would have been a lot better if they'd done like. If the track set hadn't been like longer than three minutes, yes. which I know is weird for this style of music, but like if the tracks were shorter and there were more of them, um, and maybe so that like every track didn't have like we're gonna do the head, we're gonna do like a a, a six minute really sleepy jam, and then we're gonna close out the song five times. Right. Um, I think it would have been a lot more uh, digestible. It reminded me of the band Light, if you've ever listened to Light at all, L-I-T-E. Yes, I've heard of them. They're from mm-hmm. Japan, and they do a somewhat similar style, maybe a little more mathy, a little bit, a little bit more dynamic in the in the time signature stuff. But all the songs are short, so it's, you know, you get these quick cuts of, like, here's a groove, and here's a thing, and here's a thing, and you're like, all right, I, I got enough of it, I'm good, and then it's over, and we're out, versus, like, all right, and now this is this is rolling, this is rolling, okay, okay. Okay. Wow, it's been going on for seven minutes now. <laughs> wow, this airship has a lot of fuel. <laughs> it's a really long... This winch, this airship's a little long in the tooth. <laughs> How big is this fucking moon palace? Um, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing else to say about it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I like um, the album cover. It's kind of cool. Yeah, album cover's all right. And, like, the, I'm definitely going to keep these guys on my radar. Like, if if this ends up not being a side project thing, um, which I kind of hope it isn't, just so that that means that, like, Yaga Yazas can come back, which uh, would definitely be cool. Oh, yeah. Their uh, la- that y- last Yaga album, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest Yaga fan in the world, uh, but I, I definitely enjoy them. But that last one they put out was one of the – coolest things i've heard in a really long time uh, starfire yeah i've 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 always um liked them from like afar like I've, I've never really gotten too deep into them but i'm like uh you know i really i like what these guys are doing it's different you know when you look at that whole like early 2000s um you know instrumental rock boom um i would say that they i i think they were heads and shoulders above the rest just with what they were doing in polyrhythms and shit um, I miss that era, Chris. I really do. I mean, hey, it it it's like the classic prog era. It had to die because there was a lot of dreck. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> just just the aughts was sort of like a strange revival of prog music. I mean, obviously you had the Mars Volta, but then you had all sorts of juicy, weird shit like Lightning Bolt and Hella mm-hmm. and yep. just other wild stuff that was just bubbling to the surface and. Oh, it was so tasty. It was so, so tasty. And so many great people came out from that era. Uh, yeah. Zach Hill and Jonathan Hishke and others. And just, oh, man. I don't even can't think go about back. Lightning Bolt. That's a good point. I mean, they're more noise, as, as we but discussed. But no, I'd say, they're, I'd say they're related. They're definitely coming from the same scene. Yeah. So it's, um, it just, there's so much, so many tasty nuggets. And I, I know, like, every era it had to, it had to end it at some point, but. Ah oh, man, it was it was scrumdiddlyumptious. But yeah, I would I would say if you're if you're a listener who's into that era, then uh, you may like this. Uh, you may it may tickle that nostalgia fancy. It also may uh, put you to sleep like me and Alex. Um, 
so yeah, give it a spin. See what happens, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. Well, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, just, just sure. Have, have a good time. Um. Cool. Let, let's let's let, let's talk about one of these other. Let, let's talk about this IC01 Hanoi album because I think this other one's gonna have a longer conversation. So let's yeah. the unknown mortal orchestra. Uh, so Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on you to give us some context because I only know unknown mortal orchestra from one album. I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, it had like some building in the Czech Republic on the on the cover. Well, I think you know more about them than me, then. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, let, let's let's take a look what I know about them. I so believe I, I know their first album, the, uh, and it's got some little structure on the cover. And I thought it was just the most boring indie rock thing ever. And yeah, they're this, sort of like they do like a poppy psychedelic thing. Yeah, so it's definitely this this album I see on one hand always is atypical. From their usual stuff. Yeah, so I was really fucking confused because y- you were gushing on about the new Unknown Mortal Orchestra, and I'm like, who fucking cares? They they're not. In- it's like Bell and well, Sebastian. Well, hey, when you put out a press release that that talks about Kraut Rock and, and Bitches Brew, then uh, you know, I mean, hey, that's that's how you get people's attention. Yeah, at least this person. So I was deeply confused when this record showed up, and it's a bunch of like spacey psychedelic grooves and jams, and uh, I mean, influenced by Krautrock and Jet and Bitches Brew seems apt. It's this is a weird little nugget. It is. I, I would say that it's it's similar to uh, Invisible Airships in that I. This is one thing that I forgot to say about the album that we had nothing to say about. Um, it definitely seems like it's recorded from uh, jam sessions, but it doesn't have that that X factor that that makes it uh, listenable. This, however, does. This has a little bit more energy going on, um, and I think that went a long way. And it was also twenty minutes shorter, so that helped. <laughs> that was the other. Every every song is except for uh, Hanoi Six, which somehow is the single. Um, yeah, everything right. Everything is like. <laughs> Three to five minutes. Every it, it's they're quick cuts. It's hey, how you doing? This is cool. All right, bye bye. Yeah. And yeah, it, it touches on a lot of styles, like the first track. Um, so eat. There, there's seven tracks. It's all it's Hanoi one through seven. They did they they cracked that old chestnut open. Um, and uh, the first track, it's it sort of reminds me of um, if we're going to be making uh, Miles Davis references, it sort of reminds me of the beginning of um, Jack Johnson in that it's like the record just like starts like mid breath almost. Yes. Uh, which helps a lot because like, you know, to, to go back to Amgala Temple for a second like that, does the slow building thing and the fact that the music is slow sort of accentuates the, the painfulness of that. This, however, you're just, it's like fucking cracking the whip. It's like, you're in there. You're welcome to, to Vietnam. Welcome to Hanoi. It just launches off. In yeah. an aggressive manner, and each song, even some of the mellower tracks like Hanoi Four with its sort of howling drone, or Hanoi Six that's a little bit longer, just kind of flies off the handle right off the bat. Even if it's in a slower sense, but there's no like, all right, now we got a little groove, and here's a cute little drum fill. It's just like fuck you, let's roll. <laughs> but and and like 
But here's the, one of the weird things about this record is that it does that. It definitely has that vibe. But at the same time, um, you know, this first 80 second track is really as, you know, fast and intense as it gets. The rest of it, um, you know, as we've already said, it's similar to Bitches Brewer. Um, one specific Miles track that it reminded me of was, um, uh, He Loved Him Badly, which is a, uh, it's a track off of Get Up With It. It's very, very lumbering, very languid, very slow, but um, it's all about very slow shifts. Like, you know, what you would see in like a Kraut Rock song. It's it's about the, the long game and not the short game. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's about not verse, course, verse. It's just about getting sucked in, into uh, whatever's going on. Yeah. And, the, and this definitely does that. And, and I really do think that these short, um, the shortness of the tracks help that. And like, I, I don't remember them floating into each other. I didn't make a note about that or anything, but it did, it did have a cohesive feel to it. Yes. Uh, maybe from that, again, from that propulsive start, it's, you know, like starting an engine or something like that. It's, you know, even if the RPM gets lower, it still has a feel. I don't know if that metaphor landed, but it does because then I think of the track like Hanoi Five, which has got that thumpy bass. So that's like when you're idling on a cold day, just a, that it's got that womp 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 womp, and the hi hat is mixed super he- super high in the mix and just really metallic. And it the mixing on this album is so good because it emphasizes different parts on each track, and it's just really gritty at times or clean, and it it. I really, really, really love this record, obviously. Um, and it just, there's so many little touches throughout the way that just make it so exciting to listen to and so interesting to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real treat, um, you know, to, to, to be able to get this kind of a looseness, um, while at the same time still keeping it fresh and exciting. It's, uh, it's a, it's a hard tightrope to walk and, uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra definitely, um, successfully, walked it um with this release and like i don't i don't know what to say about the length like part of me is is a little bummed out that it's it's as short as it is but at the same time um as i've already said i feel that that really goes to um help it um you know in its delivery overall yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it either. Uh, I wish it was a little longer because it kind of wrapped up uh, before I could even really figure out what was going on. Yeah, in a way, because yeah, I was like, point. "What the fuck? I these I thought these guys just made little vampire weekend songs, and nope, it's <laughs> it's done. Fuck you. Um, it's it, I wish there was probably like another five to ten minutes of music i'm totally content with the 28 minute runtime but yeah, yeah. a little bit more would have would have been nice would have been appreciated because each song is just so catchy i'm not saying the songs need to be longer but i would have just loved a, another groove or two to get uh sucked into because everything just it, it runs at a, every song runs at a good runtime where it's it's you're not just in there going okay cool there's the third guitar solo <laughs> love your tritones bro <laughs> are we are we through the uh the the clavinet interlude yet we we still in this clavinet interlude <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i i guess and and i'll say that if i guess if we were gonna get one more track on here i'd i'd probably want um something a little bit closer to that first track yeah um just because it is it is the only time that they they reach those heights on the record which is a little bit weird um i know i already said that it it sounds fine and i do think that but at the same time um i don't know these guys rock out hard 
really good. And, and, uh, you know, this record is six sevenths, uh, chill rocking. It's, but, a, um, to get... it, it's weird too. Cause the structure of it gives me the sense that there's more to that track. Like that oh, it's, sure. it's pared down and that there's probably another couple minutes on either side of it. And I would have loved to hear just a little bit more of, of them ripping it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this was cut from like hours of tapes. Um, it definitely has that live feel to it, even though, so I guess that they recorded this record off tour. Um, they were like hanging out in, in Hanawai. It, it was, uh, recorded there. And, um, there's like a, a local musician, musician who plays this, um, this like handmade, uh, one stringed instrument on the album. So I'm willing to, it's, I couldn't really pick it out um, in my listening, um, but I would say that like a lot of the droney stuff, the the background stuff, is probably um, this guy through uh, through pedals. Yeah, and um, having the horns is also uh, a different thing for them. I don't think they've had that on any of their other albums. I'm pretty sure it's just um, you know your standard guitar, keys, bass setup um, or drums too. Right. fucking great yeah buy this record definitely buy it um well we're really we're really burning through it today <laughs> yeah we <laughs> we're burning this candle on both ends uh t- tell us about this next one you you were pretty hyped about this one if i remember well i mean it's got it's got my man d lynch um this is a, a david lynch and angelo Badalamenti album um, Angelo providing the music to many of Lynch's films. Um, I can't remember if he did Blue Velvet or if he started with Twin Peaks, but like the, the Twin Peaks theme, something that a lot of people I'm sure know, um, just because it's been memed, that's, uh, Angelo, so you can sort of get an idea of what his sound is like. Um, this album, however, uh, does not sound like the Twin Peaks theme, which is really happy and, and saccharine. <laughs> this is, uh, this is like, um, you know, this is, it's gonna sound really corny and throwaway, but this does sound like one of David Lynch's films in, in audio form. Um, it has this, this overboding, uh, creepy, uh, almost like film noir, rainy darkness feel to it. Um, I would say if, if the Amgala Temple is all melody, if, uh, um, Unknown Mortal Orchestra is a mixture of uh, melody and ambience. This is mostly ambience. Um, mm-hmm. The the one track that I can really hum is uh, Woodcutters with Fiery Ships. That's the only thing that uh, and that and that was the single too. You know, smartly enough. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's it his David Lynch can sort of get shit on for sort of hammering the same points home. And I feel that he does that here, but he does it effectively where um, all of his films are about the clash of, um, you know, one form of highbrow and one form of lowbrow. So like um, Blue Velvet, one of my favorite movies of his, it starts out with, uh, you know, you have the, let me paint a picture for you, Alex. You have the idyllic Americana street. You got the firefighter going down on it. You got good, neighbors watering their lawns and stuff like that that the neighbor has a heart attack and he falls down and you see the camera it goes into the dirt and you see all these bugs writhing around underneath this uh this perfectly pristine lawn and um 
that's sort of his whole mo, and and that's sort of what's happening here. You have this this jazz thing going on, and then under that you have this this gritty, grimy industrial thing, um, which is sort of similar to what he's done with his other albums. They're mostly in a blues vein. This is the first time he's done a quote unquote jazz thing. Um, but yeah, what did you think of this very atmospheric record? I, I had two jokes and I couldn't figure out which one to use. Uh, the first one, it, it, more more relevant to you, was oh cool, it's uh, Lydia Lunch number two. Uh, the, <laughs> the other the other joke, which may be a little bit better, so uh, you know, just try let's try and all the humor. Um, That's right. Was was uh, I didn't know that there were any lost Captain Beefheart jazz albums. <laughs> um, you, you pick up on a Beefheart vibe. I pick up on David Lynch doing his bet, like like if Captain Beefheart was from Long Island. Well, I don't think that's David. Um, oh, I thought that was David Lynch too. Hold the no, ball. I'm pre- I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's Angelo. Oh, um, I, I assume that was David Lynch. No, he has a very strong Midwestern accent. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he has vocal. So he wrote the lyrics. The lyrics are him. The the quote unquote lyrics, if you want to call those lyrics and not spoken word poems. Well, they both um, do vocals, it looks like. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that guy who's like... <laughs> I don't know, the woodcutter ants. The woodcutters. The woodcutter ants took Pete. Pete's not doing too well. Um, so I have mixed feelings on this record. First of all, it's an hour long, yeah. which is a normal, appropriate length for a record. That's not a problem. However, a quarter of it is in the back end, and is just 2000. <laughs> and summer night noise is just dreary. It's not great. Um, you could you could lob off both those tracks and really not lose a whole lot. Uh, I did listen to both of them the first time, and like I was kind of hoping for something to really take me. Nothing did. Uh, there are some really solid grooves and jazz, jazz, uh, jazz grooves, I guess, um, in this record. So that's good. Uh, I do love the Frank 2000 prelude. It's got such a thuddy bass tone. Uh, the bass tones on this album are fantastic. If you were to cruise up the strip with a subwoofer with Thought Gang blasting, number one, you'll annoy everybody. But number two, <laughs> you're, it's going to be cool as fuck at the same time. Um, you mentioned the sort of surrealism, which I think kind of connects with the album cover, which is this sort of weird. Uh, it's very strange. Um, and it's got yeah, that kind he has of... a very peculiar um, style. Like with the with the, I, you may remember when, or you probably don't remember when me and Armando were talking about it uh, when it was on TV. But like, he does all of his own visual effects um, on the show, which means that they look very shitty. But they also have that certain charm to it. And you can sort of say the same thing about the album cover. Like, this is not a man who's good at Photoshop, but this is a man who is, you know, he has a thought in his head and he knows how to put it down, um, even though it looks weird. It, um, it, it, it reminds me of the, sal- the one of those old Salad Fingers videos. It's, that's a good point. This album is kind of like Salad Fingers, the album. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> It's like Salad Fingers' friend has like uh, been disappeared. They were supposed to like exchange, I don't know, some like documents or something, and uh, he got like shanghaied, and now Salad Fingers has to go down the gritty streets of uh, Seattle or San Francisco or something looking for him. Watch out for the woodcutter ants. Watch out for Frank. 
Oh, you've heard of Frank 1000, but what about Frank 2000? Holy shit. Um, so, yeah, there, I like moments of it. Most of the vocals, I thought, were stupid at best. Uh, yes. Like yes. the guy riding lawnmowers or whatever. He's, I think it's in the, first tra- uh, the second track, Logic and Common Sense. Something about yeah. people riding a lawnmower, blah, 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 blah. And he just goes, it's America, baby! And I'm like, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> So there's some cringiness to it, which that's where I got the Captain Beefheart vibe. It's just nonsensical word salad kind of half glued together, um, <laughs> sung poorly, or kind of talked poorly. Uh, talked poorly, yeah. So it, it's it's interesting. I can't deny that I like the whole time I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's, it's definitely one of the more peculiar releases from 2018 I've heard. Uh, but would I, like, would I say I liked it? I, I don't know. I like parts of it. Um, I want to. I mean, I'm in the same boat, and I'm I'm definitely a, a David Lynch fan. Um, his music, not so much, but this album, I thought was going to be a change, um, because as I said, it's more jazz based, and I'm more of a jazz guy. Because like his other shit is is like he'll do like industrial blues, um, and that I've I've never really been into. Um, and there and as you've already said, there are definitely moments on this album that I like. For instance, um, what you were just talking about, logic and common sense. Apart from all the um, all the lawnmower talk that's happening over it. Um, it is a pretty cool uh, jazz thing. Um, and uh, Woodcutters is really cool, too. Um, I thought it has, like, a like sort of like a, a portis head with the lights off type feel. Um, so, yeah, this album, this album's all over the place. Um, Very much so. Oh, I pulled, up, I pulled up the lyrics. The, flame, okay. the flames of the jugglers. And the hot ash of cigarettes. I have to do the voice. Like the men wearing suits racing lawnmowers. Men wearing suits racing lawnmowers. I said the hot ash of cigarettes like the men wearing suits racing lawnmowers. It's America! (laughs) And then there's some other shit, but really that's... uh... So this this was recorded in the early nineties. Was this really? Yes. Um, This is actually it's a lost album, um, technically. Um, So they recorded it after they did uh, the Twin Peaks movie Fire Walk with Me, um, which is actually really similar to this in that it has this really gross feeling um, (laughs) that you come away with after after uh, imbibing in it. but yeah, that was one thing that I was thinking about when I was listening to it. I was like, would this be less eye rolly in the '90s, or would yeah. this still be eye rolly? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. Because so I was mo- kind of on the fence. I could I could see myself still being like, ugh, even in the '90s. But at the same time, I don't know. The fact that the moment you mentioned that this was actually an, an early '90s album, I started forgiving half of the shit I hated about it. Um, okay. Because back then there was. A, it reminds me then of um like we talked about it an episode or two ago early boredoms like just sort of mm-hmm. nonsense noise stuff there wasn't as, there wasn't as much of that back then and it wasn't as like commonplace to just have weird avant-garde f- gibberish nonsense um with a jazz beat played in the background um so all this shit actually to me makes way more sense if it's if this is early 90s and I give it a lot more credit 
uh, contextually, it, it's it's a lot fresher sounding then. And and I and I part of it too, um, for better or for worse. If this would have came out in the '90s, you know that like Pitchfork or Kerrang or whatever exists anymore would have circled jerked this album to Kingdom Come and have gotten a ten out of ten uh, because it, it would definitely have been really weird to hear in 1992 or 93 versus 2018 where you're like yeah there's a lot of this kind of music or you just go to like an open mic night and there's some asshole on a cello and a guy with a with a with a bullhorn (laughs) um bullhorn guy holding it down always always holding it down thank thank god for the bullhorn guys out there (laughs) so i like i i give this you know i still don't really love this album but i give it a lot more credit now (laughs) Yeah, I would, you know, like, half half of this is really cool um, atmospheric stuff. Half of it is, like, really cool uh, noise dreck. Um, <laughs> I love the term noise dreck. I mean, it's, like, like uh, uh, what's, the, what's the last track? Summer Night Noise. That, I, I, I think that would have been cool if it was, like, two or three minutes. Yes. Like, just, like, a little... Because um, I see what he's trying to do, I think. He's trying to close the album out with, like, uh, you know, as as the title says, Summer Night Noise. Um, you know, trying to give you the vibe of, like, I don't know, like, an empty L.A. street at, like, 5 o'clock on a Sunday or something like that. And I kind of got it. It's just, like, did we need nine minutes to get there? But the, po- uh, the, the, pro- so. the problem is, though, um, is that, so I think of it at, like... There's so many 70s kraut rock albums, and I'll just use or or prog albums. But I think both both fell into the the same issue where side one of the album was four or five quick cuts, <laughs> and then side two was the 25 minute epic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, it it was it was cliche to the point where like anytime I put on a prog or a crowd album, I'm like. Oh, this album's burning through really quick. Oh, there, never mind. There's the other 30 minutes of the album right fucking there. And so this album does it in a little bit longer form because the CD had been birthed. And so therefore they could tack on an extra 20, 30 minutes of music than you could on a vinyl. Thank God this album is not 75 minutes because they could have if they wanted to, but it's only an hour. But you have Frank 2000, which is 16 minutes. That is plenty of long, long-winded nonsense to work with because that Frank 2000 doesn't really go anywhere. It's just kind of like, I forgive that, that song more than the night music though, but, because it like, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with it not going anywhere. Um, cause it, it starts out. It's, it's like, you know, wind noises with a lot of gain. Um, <laughs> and then it goes into like, and, and that's like half of the, the first half of the song is, is distorted wind. And then it goes into like, um, like plucky, almost like proto lightning bolt type stuff where it's just like crazy drums and bass stuff. Um, and, uh, but well, so the point was, I will, I would, even if I, do, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And I think that's, I think that's a valid point. Um, the problem is, is that you have a 16 minute Frank 2000, which is pretty debate about the, the direction it goes. I would, maybe it, maybe it doesn't go straight in one direction. It just, it, it goes in circles, but just increasingly larger circles. Yeah. So, that's it's, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's slowly moving in, in many directions at once. Um, I, if that was the closer, I'd be like, cool deal. That's your, that's your 
15, 16 minute freak out at the end that, you know, your obligatory non psychedelic nonsense that to tack off the album. But then you add an extra nine minutes yeah. of more f- faffing about. You yeah, can't no. do that. You can't go. That's like that's like if uh, Uriah Heep or Yes was like, here's our 18 minute epic at the end, and here's another 15 minute <laughs> epic. Like you can't fucking do that. That's cheating. There are rules. No, that's that's a good point. The sequ- the sequencing, I can I can definitely agree with that. The sequencing of it, um, you know, putting Summer Night Noise right after Frank, um, I could I could see why that would. Uh, that would affect the both of them negatively. If it's earlier in the album, it's okay. And the other problem with Summer Night Noise is you have a you have the song Multi Tempo Wind Boogie, which does a very similar kind of thing, in my opinion. Yeah. So you really don't need both of them. And better because of the the drumming. The drum. And I will say before, um, I don't know. We get we get too off topic from it, but like the the rhythm section on this album is great. Oh yes. Uh, the as you said before, the bass tones, they sort of made me think of like um, like an early 90s like thriller movie. Um, like, I don't know why I thought of like The Fugitive. I think The Fugitive soundtrack, like the Harrison Ford one, uses a lot of the similar uh, low bass tones. Right. Um, for like, uh, they're like wide shots of like the city of, uh, of your fair city of Chicago, actually. hi oh yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, watch out for one armed men out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, that, that sort of helps to give it a cinematic feel. And then, um, I'm pretty sure that this is the, the same drummer that these two guys have used on a lot of their other projects. Um, but he's great. Um, yes. At doing like, uh, really fast, um, jazz type stuff. And then doing like also really slower, uh, more like swing focused type stuff, which, uh, this album has a few tracks of. Yeah, so the music itself, I think, is gr- is really solid. Um, it never is too harebrained or too simplistic. the The risk an album like this could have run with or run into is that the the song the music itself is really plain and basic, with some guy just shouting nonsense all over it yeah. about woodcutter ants and lawnmowers. Um, or it could have just been pure avant garde. Uh, tornado of fuckery um and it would just been completely it just completely incomprehensible and just a real slog to get through it it, it toes a nice balance it does yeah. and so i it's my my real take my real final thought is if you would lob off if you if, if if a casual listener lobbed off that last 15 minutes of or 25 minutes of frank and summer you have a weird album that's but pretty safe, but not too crazy. Yeah. It's those two tracks glued to the back of it gives us such a weird weight to the back end of the album that is, makes it a lot tougher than it needs to be. I think both those tracks could have gone through a diet or a rearranging and it could have really saved this album because everything else I can forgive because nothing really goes for that long. A real indication is five minutes, 35 seconds. That's the longest it gets otherwise. And it's fine. But you have shit like Jack Paints It Red, which is pretty pretty crazy, but it's three minutes and 40 seconds. Or A Meaningless Conversation, which has those big, blatty horn sounds and drum yeah, that hits. one kind of sounded like a B-part one, now that, you, now that you mentioned it. Right. So, like, those parts are fine because they're short. So you're like, wow, this is crazy, but then it's done. Yeah, it, it 
Um, and like, it doesn't, you know, another thing that this, this album could do is, is sort of, uh, you know, stick in the same gear. Um, and like, you're getting, you're getting a pretty wide gambit here. Um, they're all sort of in the same ballpark. Like it all sounds like twisted, uh, early nineties, like TV music or, yes. or, or film music. Um, but they're all, they're all different flavors. It's not, you're not, you're not getting, uh, you know, an hour's worth of the same thing. Like on Amgala Temple, for instance, um, you're getting, you're getting stuff broken up and, and yeah, the, the, the short times definitely help until you get to, to Frank. And, and like I said, it's got 2000 in the title. You guys, you guys should be ready for something that's worth 2000 of, of Frank's time. 2000 Frank's baby. That's right. You think you only Kobayashi could listen to this. <laughs> Frank is fucking wild, man. My God. I would still, at the end of the day, recommend this for yes. the for the experimental folk, the ones who want a, a weird a weird thing to sink their in- teeth into. Because um, it, it definitely still has its charming moments, and it's got creative moments, despite some of its audacity and, and pants-on-head nonsense. But overall, there there is something kind of cool going on here, and I would be if if uh, Angelo and Dave, as I'm calling them now, Dave, Dave. L, the, <laughs> D- Dave, Dave L, and and Angie B, um, if they're like, hey, let's get in the studio and do another one of these, I'd be like, yeah, do it. I would I would listen to it because I'd be curious to see what they could come up with the second time. It's it's obnoxious but interesting enough that I want to come back for a second course of it. Yeah, I would I would really love that because um uh like the the sound design on Twin Peaks which he also did himself um with this last season that came out on Showtime um it sounds really good and I I can't remember what the last uh year he he like recorded a new album and put it out cuz as we said this is from the 90s um and I want to say it probably somewhere around the mid 2000s. So I'm sure he's gotten a lot better um, in in the sound department. So yeah, I would definitely uh, recommend this to people if if you know who David Lynch is, if you know what he's about, um, and haven't tried anything of his before. This this could be an interesting first door for you. And uh, and yeah, if you're into to jazzy beats, um, this uh, this would be right up your alley. Right. So, uh, Chris, what have you been listening to lately? Beyond beyond these wonderful things. <laughs> beyond uh, Amgala Temple, too many times. Right. I've I've listened to uh, I, the the that excellent record label, uh, Finders Keepers, doing God's work out there, um, reissuing old records. I found this thing that they put out in the last couple months called Seventy uh, Percent Paranoid. Is the name of the album. Uh, it's sort of like early talking heads, uh, with a jazz bend to it, um, from 1982. So, uh, that's a pretty cool listen. You can get it on their website. Um, also listen to this, uh, all Mellotron music album, which, uh, it, it sort of, sort of itches two, two likes of mine. One being, uh, the fact that you know, there's Mellotron, so the Mellotron rule is is respected. 
it's it's not broken by anyone here. I tried to explain to my girlfriend the 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 allure of the Mellotron, and she just stared at me like I was com- I had completely lost my mind. I'm like, I mean, what what did you expect? <laughs> it didn't go well, but I was like, you know, there's a Mellotron in Pennsylvania being on reverb for five and a half grand. She's like, why the fuck do you need a Mellotron? I'm like, why don't but you? It's why white. Wouldn't- <laughs> It's beautiful. It sits in the living room. She's like, does that make noise? I said, yes. Yeah. She's like, we're not buying that thing. <laughs> the moment it was, does it make any noise? Yes. No, fuck that. That's like two parents arguing over what toy to give a baby. Like, does it make noise? No, we don't need to make it more noise. We don't. <laughs> baby makes enough noise. I told her I want to buy a bass, and she's like, oh, God damn it. More things that make noise. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I for one, support... Your, your pursuit of, of Mellotron happiness. Um, uh, <laughs> so this album is uh, it's called Mellotron Phase by a, a group called Papernut Cambridge. Um, and yeah, it's all Mellotron uh, program music, um, which is something that I have an irrational love for. I really can't explain why I like program music, but I do. Um, so if you like program music too and, and Mellotron... Uh, Definitely uh, give that a listen. What have you been listening to, Alex? Um, the year's almost over, and in a couple of weeks we're going to do our year-end wrap-up, so I'm like desperately burning through 2018 albums like my life depends on it. Um, the the people are already putting out their lists, uh, so I've been look, digging through those for some ideas, and then I've just been kind of wandering off and picking up stuff that... Uh, from artists that I've, I remember from a long time ago or recently. Uh, one was the uh, Japanese metal band Durin Gray, which back in high school was like, yeah, they're awesome. And uh, I'm listening to them again, apparently, in their 2018 release, The Insulated World. Um, this is a really weird album. Not in the, not in the sense of uh, David Lynch's Thought Gang d- weird, but um, it, it just it changes erratically from like, grunty sludgy metal to operatic symphonic metal to just it it jumps styles sometimes within a song just all over the place um the riffs uh can get a little jangly and um erratic and non-formulary at times so it's it's a weird album in in some ways uh i'm not a metal expert but i think it's worth a listen just because it's it just jumps around in such a bizarre manner that it, it doesn't let you get a real grasp of it. It doesn't let you get bored. Uh, the last album of theirs I had listened to was The Marrow of the Bone, which was like... It was a while ago, and it was really boring. But this one's definitely not boring. It's it's uh, it's like if you gave uh, a child a lot of candy and told it to go wild. Like It may be fun one minute, and it may try and kill you the next. Um, <laughs> the other was Cat Power, uh, their new her new release, Wanderer. Uh, which I, I normally like Cat Power, usually does, puts out a good record. Uh, this, this too is a good record, uh, if not a little, um, un, unremarkable. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the single Woman featuring Lana Del Rey. Every time I hear the intro, I think it's gonna be Tom Petty's Breakdown. Uh, cause it's got the same little organ intro, almost the same exact organ intro. Um, so they're going on and I'm like, breakdown. And just waiting uh, for those sweet, sweet petty licks to come in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's a fine album. Uh, I don't, Cat Power is not one to put out a bad album, though a couple of her albums are okay at best. And I would put this one on there. Uh, a bizarre record I accidentally stumbled upon again, another 2018 release 
was an album by the art this this group called The Last Poets. Uh, understand what black is. It's reggae music with um, random poetry on top of it. And uh, at times it's interesting and at times it's shockingly terrible. And I'll wrap up real quick. Not from 2018, but Voices of Extabe by Ima Sumac, who was a Peruvian singer uh, from born in the 20s. And this release came out in 1950. It is very old, so it's got an old-timey vibe. Uh, reminds me a bit of Um Kalsum, although not quite as talented, but that kind of style of music, that old-world kind of vibe to it um, with some cultural Peruvian touches to it. Uh, it's like... 30 minutes uh so even if you think it sucks you'll get through it pretty quick um but i think it's a good record it's an interesting record um and i in th- it goes back to that one of my feelings of that you need to sometimes go back in time listen to some old stuff to kind of appreciate how we got to where we are so it's it's a it's a cool little record i also like the the cover it's it's a little corny but uh i think it's corny in all the right ways i mean i think it's great those those old school capital covers are there's something else. I just like that statue in the upper right corner. Like, hey, oh, guys, yeah. what you doing? And oh, there's I'm a volcano. Peek- I'm just peeking out from the corner over here. Just, <laughs> right. just making sure everything's okay with the photo shoot. Exactly. <laughs> you guys need anything from craft services? <laughs> no, we're good, statue. Okay. <laughs>